Today, we are joined by Jacob Garlick, the CEO of Neat AB Testing. We are going to be talking about the rapidly changing landscape of optimizing your store's theme and other conversion optimization tools. We will also be chatting about A-B testing and the correct way to approach it. Let's dig in. Welcome to Commerce Tea, a podcast to help you succeed on Shopify. I'm Rian. And I'm Kelly. Grab a mug and join us as we talk about all things commerce. Every aspect of your website is a variable that could be impacting your business's revenue. We all want to grow our business, and we make changes with the hopes of seeing our business grow. Maybe you add a new graphic here, new social proof on your product page there, maybe change your pricing. But do you know if this new thing is helping or hurting you? Today, testing is a requirement in understanding what is and isn't working for your business. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to test. In fact, I set up my first test in less than 10 minutes on a client's store using Neat A-B testing. After the test was live, we saw a confidence level on each of our tests to know which is actually best for the business. How? They showed us the additional revenue per view for each variant. Give our friends at Neat AB Testing a try today and start testing for your business. Head over to try.neatab.com slash commerce dash T to start your 14-day free trial. Again, that's try.neatab.com slash commerce dash T. Mesa is the easiest way to integrate any top e-commerce app or service with your online store. Designed exclusively for Shopify and Shopify Plus, Mesa's automated workflows can get back your time spent on repetitive tasks while growing your business at the same time. Join other merchants that have embraced the simplicity of Mesa's no-code approach to building workflows. You can create new ways to improve customer engagement, Encourage repeat purchases without lifting a finger, reduce manual data entry, and more through a simple point-and-click interface. And with BFCM planning around the corner, now is the time to ask the question, is my online store prepared? Optimizing every step in the shopping experience is the only way to create a lifelong customer. Get Mesa and capitalize on one of the biggest commerce events of the year. Search for Mesa in the Shopify app store and download the app today. So Jacob, thank you so much for coming today. It's so great to meet you. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? We want to know. It's so great to meet you. Thank you so much, Kelly and Rian, for having me on the show. We are absolute super fans and we love what you do for the e-commerce community. And we only hope that a million more people every day listen to what you guys have to share. A um, little background on me is for the last decade of my life, I've done nothing but work with companies and try and help them grow. And over the last back half of that, roughly the last five years, more and more of those companies had to play a role in the digital world in selling their products and services. And so our expertise became increasingly more focused around how to sell online. And so all these companies became e-commerce experts. And over the last um, two years, I've spent nothing but short of all of my time looking for a company to get involved with or buy that served companies in that capacity. 
And neat A-B testing was the undisputed number one player in the Shopify ecosystem for A-B testing. And so me and my partners acquired neat A-B testing to then take it to the next level and serve those Shopify merchants and help them do that. So that's my background. That's why I'm here today. And we're on a mission to be the number one player, period, serving e-commerce merchants, helping them grow their businesses through A-B testing. That is awesome. So I have to ask you a question, and it's okay to say no. Okay. Are you open to discussing the process of acquiring an app? Like what Absolutely. Like? Absolutely. I'd be happy to do that. Half, half the work I did was regarding M&A. That was most of the growth work we did. So okay. happy to talk about it. Yeah. I feel like there's just a a lot of mystery behind the process. Yeah, it's like a big so I feel kind like, of shield yeah. around it. You're like, what? Yeah. But let's start with let's start with A/B testing. Let's start yeah. with CRO because that's what brought us here today for the first, you know, to begin with. So let's start with high level. What is A/B testing? Yeah. So anytime you should make a decision. Uh, to improve your business, you're typically asked for some type of thesis as to why you think you should make that improvement. And what's beautiful about selling products online is most of the time that improvement or change that you want to make is to a website. And so when you want to make that change, that can have a big impact, either positive or negative on the business. And so to bolster that decision, Maybe you want to try it out before you permanently make that change. And so what you may want to do is change a product image because you think it'll resonate with people who are shopping for that product, or you want to try a different price uh, point for the product you're selling. And so we find that our customers run something called an A-B test. One, One version of that might be a price test. So if you want to try changing the price, you go ahead and you can use a tool like ours to lower the price by $5. And then for the next 24 hours, it will display a price that's $5 less than where it is today. And then at the end of that 24 hours, it'll put it back to the normal price. And it'll do this for a couple of days. And at the end of it, you can see which one performed better, right? You can do this with the imagery, the color, layout, theme, etc. And this allows you to gain confidence that what you're doing is a good idea and see whether or not that change is a good idea. We call that an A-B test. That is fascinating. And I feel like for so long, it was very difficult to do A-B testing on Shopify. So it's so cool that there's a solution that does A-B testing on, on Shopify. Yeah, before you had to just change it, you know. Right. <laughs> you just have to change it and then change it back and then change it right. and then, if you and could like, do that. And then like remember what it was doing before that, right? <laughs> exactly. No way to pull that report. Yeah. It, exactly. So is there a certain merchant or audience size required to successfully A-B test? Absolutely not. You can A-B test your way from zero, right? So all you really need is traffic to the site. So you don't need to be a certain size and revenue, but you do need people visiting your site. And there's a number of strategies you can do to get your first 100 people a month visiting the site. But if you can do that, then you can immediately begin A-B testing, right? 
So if you want to figure out the right price, the right image, the right layout, the right color, the right theme, the right text to use, right? The right call to actions, immediately you can start testing and the outcome you should be after is a first purchase, right? And if you got your first purchase, use whatever version of the site you had up for that and then start testing again to see if you can improve it. Okay, so... That's, you know, understanding coming from like zero purchases where you can get started. But how do you just like overall, how do you measure success of an A-B test? That's a great question. Um, so depending on your size, the, the metric you're after might change. So if I'm uh, doing north of 100 transactions a month, right, my goal is probably um, to raise the number of transactions I'm doing, right? If I'm not, if I'm still doing less than a thousand transactions a month, right? So 100 to 1,000, you're really just focused on getting more, more transactions done, right? Um, once you breach the thousand transactions per month, you're probably thinking about optimization and profit per sale and things like that. And so, for example, you might be happy with your conversion rate, right? You're probably not optimizing for the number of people who purchase as much. Let's say you're optimizing 4% of traffic to your site purchases. At that point, if you try and raise your price, for example, you're probably not looking for an increase in conversion by raising your price. You're At that point, you're looking for a retention of conversion rate and making sure it just doesn't plummet if you should choose to improve your product and thus command a higher price point for it. So depending on your size sort of focuses where where you're at. And the way we look at that is the funnel. And when you use our tool or most tools, quite frankly, it's going to show you number of people who viewed a product, number of people who added that product to their cart, and then the number of people who purchased, and then you get a revenue per view, revenue per transaction, et cetera. And so what you're really focused on is in the early days, you're just trying to get people to click on the product from the homepage, and then you're trying to get them to add it to the cart. If you can get them to do that thing, then you're trying to get them to purchase, right? So depending on how big you are, it might determine where in the funnel you're focusing on. Okay, so I want to pause for a second, and here's why. Our listeners are, they run the gamut from a, uh, from still learning, still starting out to being super pros. So if we could just for a second break down some of this terminology that we're using so everybody is on the same page, we find that to be always super helpful. So um, what's a funnel? So the your, your conversion funnel is the journey through which a customer goes through from first time ever seeing your product all the way to becoming a customer. And so we think of it as a funnel because more people um, hit your website than are going to purchase your product, creating a a little bit of a funnel. And the goal is to improve each stage of that funnel. So the first stage is someone saw an advertisement, was referred to you, searched for your product and found you, and hit your website. So that's just going to be traffic to the website. Then they're going to navigate your website and click on one of your products. And that's one level down. And the number of people who hit your website is going to be bigger than the number of people actually click on a product. Then of the people who click on a product, there's going to be a drop-off again of the number of people who view it and then add it to their cart. 
And then after that, there's going to be a certain number of people who added it to their cart and make a decision to purchase your product, right? And so these are the different points at which you want to optimize for and where you may be A-B testing. Okay. And when it comes to A-B testing, I, I'm really big on statistics just in general. So more terminology, let's break down what, what is a control and what is a test. Perfect. So the control variant, as it's called in a test, is going to be what the site currently looks like now that you're looking to make a change to. So if your price is $10 today and you want to run an A-B test at $12, the control is going to be the $10 price and the variant is going to be the $12 price. So how many tests should I be running concurrently? Great question. So depending on the size of your business probably determines how many tests you're running at any given time. Um, because there are a number of best practices any business should be following. Um, but some of those best practices have higher impacts than others, right? So it's sort of a checklist of things you want to nail um, before you move on to the next set of tests, so to speak. So earlier on for a smaller business, you need to nail down your price, the best imagery to use, the best copy to use, and the best layout for the site. And this is where you should be spending all of your time, really figuring out what's the best copy I can put right on that homepage with the best hero image. That's the first banner someone might see and the best call to action to get them to click through and learn about my product. And then again, what's the best image, text, layout, and call to action to get them to add it to the cart, right? And um, there's no secret sauce for doing that. You have to be providing value for a certain audience that you're going after, right? For a later stage business, they've probably landed in the right vicinity. They've probably got a real, real sort of understanding of the range at which they need to be in. And they're probably pennies away from the perfect price, right? They've tried all the different prices and they nailed the one that has the best conversion, that their customers are willing to pay, that they feel like they're getting the right value for, aren't getting returns, right? And so once you've, you've done that, now it's about adding products to your, your catalog, for example. So a bigger company might have more SKUs. And so which order do we list them? Do we list our newest products first? Do we list our best sellers first? How do we introduce new product lines? Um, what is the journey through which someone's going through when they hit our website? What's the most likely layout to uh, get someone to buy more than one product or come back? Right? What's the discovery process? And so they're, they're probably running multiple tests at the same time that are not in conflict with each other, right? So they might be running uh, a layout test, right, on one product and a layout test on another product, right? They might be running a theme test that highlights certain copy throughout the website versus another all simultaneously. They might be running 700. We have customers that run hundreds of product tests all at the same time, where they're trying out different images for everything. But they're doing that because they've already hit the big boulders. They already have the right price for them. They have the right main image for them. So they might be testing secondary and third images for a product, right, to see if they can nudge up conversions. 
Um, but there's big boulder items that a smaller business needs to needs to figure out. Also, we find that our larger customers, they don't always run tests to decide how to improve something. They run a, a test to decide to remove something as well. So they're taking their, their bottom 10% sellers and making last-ditch efforts to confirm that there's absolutely nothing more they could do, even if they put it to the top of the site for five minutes and run a flash sale. There's just no interest in that product. Helps them make decisions and have a process for removing products from the website. And a removal, that's like addition by subtraction. It can be just as valuable to eliminate clutter on the site as it is to add something to the site sometimes. I like that you mentioned you can run tests concurrently as long as they're not in conflict with each other. I think that's a really, really important point to drive home. So, you know, if you're trying to see if a product is going to sell better, you don't want to be testing like the name of it, the price of it, the description of it, the image of it, like all the same time, because you don't know which of those things is going to make a difference. That's right. You want to isolate the variable a lot of the time. Exactly. So do you have any resources that you like to uh, you know, tell people if they're like brand new to A-B testing, like how to, you know, how to le- learn how to A-B test or like what they should be testing, things like that? Do you have any resources you'd like to share? Absolutely. You know, it's funny you ask that because it's like a perfect opportunity for us to plug our social media. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Which I know you weren't expecting, but yeah, we post every single day new testing ideas. We post videos on the first test types you should be running and how to do so. When you sign up as a customer, our customer service team is going to reach out to you and offer to help you set up your first test and audit your site for free and make recommendations what you should be doing. And we'll help you set up those tests and teach you how to use our tool. And then every day you can come back to our website and or our any one of our number of our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram. YouTube, Facebook, we're on all of them, Twitter, recommending a new test type each day and the outcome it may provide by running it to help you figure out if it's a good fit for you. Can you give the URLs or usernames or handles or whatever for those social media? Yeah, it's just at meetabtesting for any of our um, social. Nice. Nice and easy. Hey, Rian, what can I do to help my support team be more efficient? I recommend Gorgeous. Gorgeous combines all your communications channels, including email, SMS, social media, live chat, and phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all help requests. This saves your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. It sounds great. What else can it do? With Gorgeous, you can pre-write and save responses to your most frequently asked questions. You even have access to the customer's order information, so you can personalize the responses with things like an order or tracking number. This will allow your support team to focus on complex questions. Brands like Olipop, Deathwish Coffee, and Steve Madden have reduced their response times and increased efficiencies. This sounds like a great way to also increase sales and brand loyalty. Where can I learn more? Check out Gorgeous by visiting commercetea.com forward slash gorgeous and try Gorgeous for free for two months. Again, that's commercetea.com forward slash G-O-R-G-I-A-S. Okay, so we'll definitely include links to uh, the different social profiles in the show notes because those are going to be really helpful and I'm probably going to be sharing them with my clients as well because I bet they would love to see that. Um, 
So as a merchant, as an agency owner, there are all kinds of tools that exist out there that can, it can be overwhelming to figure out what to use or what to recommend. So what are, like, what are your thoughts about all the tools that are in this space? Yeah, absolutely. It's unbelievable the pace at which um, e-commerce is evolving its understanding of the buying experience and producing different technologies to help improve that experience. And so as a result, every 12 months, you get another 100 tools that claim they can help you with optimization of your website. And the truth is, a number of them can but it's very dependent on what business you're in and how you sell as to whether or not it may be a good fit for you. And you certainly don't want to be in the camp that is a little bit too romantic about the way they set up their website. And thus, they don't want to add anything or waste their time with anything because they tried it once and it didn't work because they're inevitably going to miss out on that one new tool that came out of those hundred that could be a massive impact maker on their business. And then you also don't want to be in the camp that always implements 100% of these new technologies onto their website because uh, you end up overcrowding, not really learning them, and inevitably they won't all work. And so there has to be a system for deciding what makes it up uh, to the big leagues. And so we like to think of it as minor leagues and big leagues, right? So the big leagues is this is a permanent fixture on our website, it has performed enough to make it there. And we have a process for determining what gets up there. And that process should be your A-B testing process. So uh, an example I like to use that everyone wouldn't even consider having an e-commerce website without is a Hello Bar, right? And that was actually the name of one of the first companies to do it, which is above your hero image, above the menu, you have a little small strip with an offer, right? And one day, no one had it, and the next day it was available, and people could have this on their <laughs> website, right? It's everyone a, had it, this, yeah. And then everyone had it. So, how do you know if that's for you? Maybe your biggest offering needs to be on the hero image. Who knows? So, if you had a process that identifies new technologies, you would have caught that and you would have thrown it into the minor leagues to see how it does. And the minor leagues is an A B test. We're going to run this for one week, two weeks until 100 sales have been made roughly, right? Uh, good round number. And see whether or not uh, our conversions improved or did not improve by having this hello bar, right? And then you determine it did well. So now we're going to run another two-week test and we're going to test the copy on that hello bar. We've decided we want to use it, but we don't know what the best copy is, right? So run another one-week test and now you've nailed the best performing copy it increased conversions by half a percent. You have a you know hundred thousand people visiting your website every month, and so a half a percent is a big deal because it's extra five hundred purchases a month, right? But even an extra one purchase a month that's a big deal for a site that only maybe has a thousand people or five hundred people visiting, right? And so we've now decided it's worthy, and we move it. It's officially in production, and now every month. We are going to run a new test to try and improve the conversion rate of that Hello Bar. And in the same case, you may have seen something that um, does a little video on your hero image. And now static images are out and video hero images is all the rage. 
Turns out those have terrible conversion for a lot of businesses. So you would have caught it, tested it, and decided not to promote it. And now you're never, you have a filter and, but also a net out there to catch every new opportunity and filter out the ones that aren't going to make an impact on your business. So we like to think of A-B testing as a process by which any change to the site gets promoted to a permanent fixture on the website. Okay, so we have now learned so much about A-B testing. I'm so excited that our listeners are going to be able to learn along with us. So let's talk a little bit about mergers and acquisitions because there's just like this mystery kind of field around it. It's hard to navigate. We have a lot of Shopify partners that listen, but M&A applies to anyone from, you know, you could sell, be selling cookies, you could be selling software. There's still an opportunity for M&A. So could you talk to us a little bit about what it means and your background in doing it. And then we're, we're going to have some follow-on questions after that. Sure. So I shared at the beginning of our, our call that I spent the last decade helping companies grow. And the reason I was even exposed to that opportunity was because I was partnered up with private equity firms and venture capital firms that were investing in businesses and acquiring businesses. And before they would decide to buy a company or invest in a company, they would pay my team to evaluate the sales marketing, customer service, and product roadmap of those companies and their competitors. And after they would invest or acquire the business, or um, maybe it was a company buying another company and merging together, um, post-transaction, we would get involved and help them um, administer a dramatically more competitive program, whether it was for sales, marketing, customer service, or their product roadmap, based on our findings in the assessment during the due diligence phase. Um, so mergers and acquisitions is a core part of any larger company strategy and, and buying businesses and putting them together. And uh, M&A is the total activity of a private equity firm that's looking to take a controlling interest in a company. So I've sat in on a number of transactions. So when you're beginning these transactions, in theory, you get reached out to by like a PE firm or something. And what can our listeners expect that process to look like? Because there's a while before diligence comes in. So you're talking about if I'm a business that was approached by a PE firm that maybe wants to talk about buying them? Yes, exactly. So, okay. So let me preface this with most companies will never be acquired. Let's start there. It's an extremely rare occurrence. Even though we see so many transactions happening and we get to see a lot of volume, that's a, that's a denominator. The, the numerator is thousands and thousands of times larger, right? There are millions of companies to be bought and there are not millions of acquisitions that happen, right? There's not an equal amount. And so the first thing I'd recommend you do if someone is reaching out to you about buying your business is take them seriously because it's an extremely rare occurrence. So whether or not you are for sale or not for sale, whether or not um, you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to sell, treat every prospective buyer like gold and with respect and and build a relationship because you never know 
when that opportunity may present itself. So the idea that like, oh, this will happen all the time since it happened once is a false sense of security. And that's my first best piece of advice. Second, um, if you are so lucky to be approached by a potential acquirer says, hey, I'd love to learn more about your business, you know, um, they're not going to come out right and make you an offer. They're probably just going to say we're interested or, you know, we're thinking about making a, a play in the space. They might not be very direct with you or they may, right? There's no guarantee of either. Um, is to start with a discovery call, right? Hey, happy to hop on a call. Okay. You know, talk about what you guys are interested in doing. Um, and then get to know them and see what their, what their interests are. Because what's happening on the other side of that, if it's a private equity firm, they raised money from limited partners or the investors in the fund. And that fund had some type of investment thesis of which the investors were interested in participating in, right? We're going to buy B2B software companies in the X space, right? E-commerce space or the field service space or the real estate space. And we're going to look for companies that are this size, that are doing this much revenue, that have this kind of strategic fit because we think we can buy them, put them together with other companies in the space and make a real big company and then sell it for a lot of money, right? That's the, that's the goal. So they have to look at a lot more deals than they're going to do, right? And so normally the person reaching out to you is having that conversation for the first time all the time. So the second thing I'll share is also if they reach out to you, you are hardly, you know, home free. You know what I mean? That is, that is, that is a conversation that happens all the time. It's not a guaranteed deal. They're going to, they might be looking at your competitors, the target and want to talk to you just to get to know you, um, to see whether or not they're right about picking your competitor as the acquisition target. But almost certainly you're, you're very much, it's just like dating, right? The, the, the very first date is a get to know you date. You're hardly thinking about marriage at that point, right? Okay. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. So Let's say you gel. You're dating, you gel, right? You have a great first call. Yeah, you got a great first call, great second call, maybe great third call. Who knows who's counting? And Mm -hmm. if you're interested and they're interested, what then? The next step is going to be due diligence. So if you have an open, candid, honest conversation about what your business is up to, where you think the market's going, what you think your role in that is going to be, and that that fits what the acquirer or potential acquirer is looking for. And both of you are honest about that. And they say, you know what, we're really interested in your business. If you're open to selling, you know, we'd love to pursue this. Pursuing this means doing due diligence. And so that means they're going to ask for all sorts of information that you may have already or may not have ever thought you'd need to produce. And so that process can be very fast and it can also be very slow. It can take a long, long time. And it can be a little bit of information or it can be a lot of information that they're going to ask for. That can be anything from customer data, product data, financial data, team data, anything that they want to know to help them understand, one, how to price your company, right? How to produce an offer. And two, 
how it may be a fit for their overall strategy and understand something. The three things that are going to really go into their decision on how to price you is going to be your growth rate and how defensible your business is and what are the risks uh, associated with those defenses, right? How strong is that defense, right? Those are the three things, the three factors that really go into any price. Um, there's tons of formulas and financial models and et cetera, but you want to, you want to understand how company for one company that does 2 million in revenue can get bought for a hundred million and another $2 million company can get bought for 2 million. I assure you the company that got bought was a better strategic fit for a hundred million. That company was a better strategic fit, was potentially growing faster and had a better, you know, IP moat of defensibility than the other business. Right. And so due diligence is going to be the next stage. Um, out of curiosity, let's say I am being approached by a private equity firm or whatever, and it's not the right time right now. Like I'm not interested in selling at this moment. I run this app. I'm not interested in selling it right now. I don't want to waste your time. So what's the best way to approach that kind of conversation? Great question. Sometimes that can work to your benefit to get a better offer. Um, but um, typically, every company is not for sale and always for sale. And, and what that means is you got to decide what that really means. If you feel like now's not the right time, the, the question someone's going to ask you is, why is now not the right time? If your answer is, I just sold my last company for $100 million and I personally made $50 million and now my ambition is to build a billion-dollar company and there's really, unless you're prepared to offer me a billion dollars, that's where I'm headed because I have enough money to last me for the rest of my life and I just have different ambitions than life-changing money and I want to change the world. Well, that's very different than... We're not for sale now because I don't feel like we're where we need to be to achieve the number I'm after, right? Or we just got started and I'm not ready because we just got started and there's no way you're going to pay me the money I want. Those are two very different conversations as to why you're not for sale, right? So if you can answer why you're not for sale, that'll help a prospective investor understand um, how to move forward. If, if you're not for sale because you're just not for sale financially, well, then um, they're going to have to track you or probably pass, right? Remain friends. But if you're not for sale because you don't think they're willing to pay the number you're after, um, or you feel like you're too small and you want to get it a little bigger, well, maybe there's a relationship to be had because you can both be honest about that and say, hey, look, we're trying to get this business to 10,000 customers before we'd be ready to sell. And we only have 2,000 customers, right? And that's something we believe we can achieve before we sell the business, et cetera. But it, it's worth it really figuring out what you're willing to say yes to or no to, uh, to understand. And, and the best thing you can do is keep an open mind, an open relationship with that group and pave that relationship bridge with gold. Um, because here's one thing I can promise. If they're looking to make an investment in that space, they're going to make their pick. And if you turn them down, it's going to be someone else, which means they've already made their pick and it's not going to be you. 
So you got to decide, can I compete against the group that just bought them and is now going to pump them full of money? And does that change your ultimate exit opportunities, et cetera? Um, that's why, you know, one of our investors, he likes to say, when the order of trade comes around, take two, because you don't know when that trade's coming back again, right? And it's really important to pay very close attention to why you're saying yes or no, you know, in that moment. You know, we've had partners who turned down uh, $10 million acquisitions, and we've had partners who've accepted $10 million acquisitions. We've had partners who turned down $100 million acquisitions, right? The reason, the reason for this, you know, the reason why you might take a $10 million acquisition is you ask the question, do you have $10 million in the bank? And if the answer is no, and this would be life-changing money for your family and yourself, then you have to more heavily consider what the ramifications are of turning down that offer, right? You should only be so lucky, but it's almost ludicrous to plan to build a business for the money you're going to get at exit because it's so incredibly rare. You're much better off focusing not on how much money you can make, but how you can uh, deliver better value for your customers and how you can improve your growth rate and improve how defensible you are via retention and great customer service and product feature set, et cetera. Um, Because these are the catalysts for an acquisition. This is such good information. Thank you so much for talking about this and doing a little bit of a deep dive. I know our listeners really appreciate it. I know we really appreciate it. And I have a bunch more questions, but we can take those offline. So uh, let's I have a get bunch to the point. <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the part of the show where we do our store shout outs. Jacob, what is your store shout out of the week? Okay. So it's for you. It's the store shout out of the week. For me, it's probably the one and only store I'll shout out forever because I'm so selfishly um, in love with this business. The name of the store is safesleevecases.com. The name of the company is Safe Sleeve. And what they have done is created an offer up a cell phone case that you can put on. It's beautifully designed, but most importantly, it also protects you from harmful radiation. And I, Mm. uh, just to get deep with you for a moment, just to like uh, be a little vulnerable here. I, I lost my father to a brain tumor among many other forms of cancer, but the brain tumor was the thing that took him out. And this, I'm not, I'm not making a, an FDA approved, you know, statement here, but this can absolutely help reduce the risk of developing certain types of cancer in your brain if you can eliminate the level of exposure you have to a cell phone. And I say that not to make a statement on SafeSleep's behalf. I say that because my father absolutely got that brain tumor from having being an early adopter of cell phones before these protections were more in place. And cell phone companies have gone a long way to help protect their customers. But there are still harmful ways that even the cell phones themselves cannot protect you from. And safesleevecases.com not only offers that protection, but also has beautifully designed, high-quality cases. And so I will always 
shout them out. I love, love, love them. They know that we go above and beyond for them in, in ways that I can't imagine anyone else would just because it's so near and dear to my heart. So I love those guys. You got to check them out. At least go see the, the case and give them a shout out on social media, if anything, if you're listening to this and you know, show them some love. Even if you don't want one of those cases, I'm sure uh, you can understand the benefit and why it'd be a good idea to promote such an awesome business. So love, love Carrie and Ale over there. They're the um, partners that run that business. That is that's fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much for that recommendation. That's, that's a great recommendation. Kelly, what about you? This feels like the weirdest transition because I am also selfishly in love with this brand for very different reasons because it's wine. <laughs> um, <laughs> so my shout out this week <laughs> is called Vinebox. And what they do is they source wines from all over the world and they package them into 100 milliliter tubes. And so you're able to taste wines of various collections, uh, like whether you like all reds, you like all whites. Um, they do have like European wines, for example, rosés. I absolutely love getting these things. They're also a really great gift for people who enjoy wine and you don't know what else to get them. Uh, that's vinebox.com. I've had that before. Awesome. It's good. Sounds really cool. I've gotten it as a gift for a couple of times and I've given it as a gift for a couple of times, including gifting myself. Wine really is the universal acceptable gift. I don't know any situation where it's not one of the top choices. Exactly. All right, Rian, what's yours? Mine is vacation. So vacation is relatively new to market, lifestyle company, I guess you could say, but really they they sell the world's best-selling sunscreen. And that's their claim. And I actually back it up. Here's why. My daughter is constantly coated in sunscreen because she's an elite water polo player. And so everything smells of sunscreen all the time, sunscreen and chlorine. And she has been using it. And she's like, this is great. This smells like how I think the 90s does. And I'm like, I don't even know what that <laughs> means. But okay. And it's very much in alignment with their branding. So that their marketing's really sharp, really great copy, really great email marketing, great uh, social marketing. Their execution's been fantastic. It's been really fun. Their their website's good as well. And so I recommend Vacation. I also think it's a fantastic smelling web, uh, fantastic smelling website, fantastic smelling product. And I'm I'm a big fan. Uh, their website is vacation.inc. I-N-C. Boom. Vacation.inc. All right. Final question for you. Where can we find you on the internet? Uh, LinkedIn is probably the best place to find Jacob Garlic. If you want to get in touch with me, message me on LinkedIn. If you can't do that because we're too far removed, then reach out to any one of the people on my team. If you see who else works for Neat AB Testing on LinkedIn. Um, you can also send us a message on our social media. We respond to 100% of comments. So if you're really trying to get in touch with me and you haven't heard back from anyone on LinkedIn, the first place I would probably go is social media and say, I want to talk to Jacob and I'm more than available to talk to anyone that would like to talk to us and help any way that I possibly can. 
And that won't always be the case, right? Like eventually we'll be so successful that I'll just be unavailable. But until I'm like Jeff Bezos level, I'm available. I'm here to help. (laughs) Jacob, thank you so much for spending time with us today. This is so, there's so much really great information in here, whether you're on the A-B testing side or the M&A side, there's all kinds of of content here for everybody to learn from. And lots of letters too. Lots of letters. Thanks, (laughs) Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I really hope we can do this again and uh, look forward to building a relationship. Oh, we absolutely will. To be continued. (laughs) All right. So thanks for tuning in. And thanks again to our sponsors for supporting this episode. We have a YouTube channel. You can visit it at youtube.com slash commerce tea. If you like our podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Reviews make us really happy. Really happy. And you can subscribe every time. <laughs> I should learn to just pause as soon as I say that because Rian always interjects with really happy. One day I will learn. Anyway, you can subscribe to Commerce Tea on your favorite podcasting service. We post new episodes every Wednesday. So grab your mug and join us then. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Clocked In is a time clock for Shopify. With Clocked In, your team members can easily clock in and out of their shifts from anywhere. You can manage your team's hours as they work remotely with an intuitive interface that can be used from desktop, tablet, or mobile. Check it out at clockedin.io or in the Shopify app store.